Hey now, and welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer thus far and enjoying time with family and friends and all the things that summer brings. I hope it's not too hot where you are. It's kind of hot where I am, but that is Eastern North Carolina. So, I mean, it is what it is. In advance, please excuse the nasalness. Allergies are doing a number on me this year. I don't know why. My husband keeps joking, saying that his age, I'm like, what does age have to do with allergies? But okay. <laughs> so please excuse the nasalness. I hope these allergy meds kind of work soon that the doctor gave, but apologies in advance. So today, I have a couple stories and some little nuggets. Here we go. So I was having a Zoom lunch. I have most of my circle doesn't live in North Carolina. Everybody is just kind of all over the place. They're in D.C. and Maryland and New Mexico and everybody's just all over the place. And I try, I'm not always good at it, but I try to stay in touch with everyone, either via text or Zoom or thank God for Instagram because that's my jam. But thank God for social media. So I really try to stay in touch. But those of us who are like executive directors, like we really try to connect regularly because one, we are black women. And so we have that in common. And we are executive directors and being black women in rural, predominantly white areas. It's just a different monster all on its own. And so I have one good girlfriend who is also a black woman in a very small rural area in the Midwest. And she asked me not to say where. And so I'm going to respect that. But she does listen. So she knows that I love her so much. So shout out to her. And she, and this this town is probably smaller than where I am, but it's a handful of Black women, handful of Blacks, period. And she is the only Black woman at the agency where she is. Time difference is crazy. Anybody that knows me know I go to bed. Very, I'm an early riser, but I go to bed early at night. Dr. Sherry loves her sleep. So we do a Zoom lunch once a month. We will text constantly. We will send funny stuff to one another, but we try to do a Zoom lunch once a month. I typically don't leave the office for lunch. I think I've shared before my commute from where I live opposed to where my outside office is. It's about an hour, 45 minutes-ish. So I typically will just, you know, Stay in my office, put my phone on Do Not Disturb for about 30 minutes and not do anything. But an hour a month, her and I will get together, literally grab lunch, do Zoom, and we'll just chat. We won't typically won't chat about work, but we will just chat and catch up. And we usually do really good. We usually do really good with just catching up on just life 
not work life, but just life. But just a couple weeks ago, while on our lunch date, somehow we started lamenting over wanting to do so much more for our team members because they were working so hard. And this woman's heart is so big because she, when she first got there, she dealt with so much disgusting racism at the hands of the people who she supervises. And she still is dealing with some of that. But she talked about, you know, wanting to do so much more for them because she also acknowledged how much they did for that community and how much harder they've been working lately. And she wanted to acknowledge that for them. And we started lamenting over that. And we started also, you know, talking about how we wanted to maybe incorporate new programming into our organizations. And we started talking about those ideas to generate new funding for our respective organizations to meet some of the trends that we were seeing in our communities, you know, to make up some of the funding gaps. Because both of us had just found out that a grant that our organizations historically have gotten for the past for for the organization where I am for the past 10 years and for her, I think like maybe for the past uh, four or five years that we were not awarded this year. And so it was a, it was a hit for us. And so we were thinking of ideas of what, not anything out of our mission, but just things that we could do that were on brand with our mission that we could do to generate funds for the organization. And so we started listing all the things that, that have nothing to do with being an executive director, but everything to do with the mission and ensuring that our folks and the community are served. And then somehow the conversation shifted to us holding one another accountable because here we are <laughs> sitting on our monthly Zoom lunch date which is just for her and I to catch up, catch up on life and, you know, talk about our husbands and talk about our kids. And it turned into a strategy session and like supervision coaching of, you know, some sort. I mean, it got so deep that I pulled up two Gantt charts and began mapping things out for both of us. We began drafting some goals and objectives. And I remember we both looked at each other on the camera and were like, what? what? What the hell are we doing? At that moment, neither of us were practicing radical professional self-care or any level of self-care for that matter. So as executive directors, program directors, and nonprofit leaders as a whole, like there are, so you have executive directors, deputy directors, CEOs, COOs. How are you balancing mission and radical self-care? I know, right? Like, how are you balancing it? Especially when you are resource deficient. Especially when you are, or if you are, a hands-on ED. How are you balancing it all? You know, that radical self-care is extremely important to me. However, even for me, I have to be checked and held accountable sometimes. You know, 
I think I told on myself and I was real transparent a couple episodes ago when I first started talking about radical self-care because I used to be a grindaholic. I am the, I don't need nobody to hold me accountable because I will hold myself accountable first. I don't mind nobody holding me accountable as long as you come correct, but <laughs> I will hold myself accountable and I'm the type of person, you know, more times than not, like I will be in the middle of Knowing that I'm not practicing radical self-care and be like, wait, what am I doing? What are you doing, Sherry? What are you doing? As executive directors, our mission is the nonprofit organization's mission. It is our responsibility to ensure that everyone who works for that nonprofit is working for and edifying that mission as well. Nonprofit leaders have the challenge of balancing their nonprofit's mission to serve others in the community, making donors and funders happy, making a positive impact with the need for self-care amongst their employees, making sure they're showing up in the community with a smile on their face to network and to engage, cultivating volunteers, especially if you're a small nonprofit like us who doesn't have all of these fancy people to go out there and do everything. And these days, there are a lot of nonprofits like that because of the lack of financial resources. Neglecting radical self-care because of the mission can lead to burnout, decreased productivity, and a compromised ability to fulfill the organization's mission effectively. It is important to prioritize both the mission and self to ensure the organization's success, sustainability, and longevity. So, this episode is for the, my favorite people in the whole wide world, human service professionals and social workers, but it's kind of tailored to the executive directors and the program directors. So, go grab your notebook, EVs. This is for you. Here are some strategies for us to balance mission and radical self-care. Number one, we have to prioritize radical self-care. We have to do it. And I can't stress that enough, that radical self-care, it's not a luxury, but an absolute necessity for fostering sustainable, positive outcomes in both the organization and the community. You know, as a leader, it is our duty to prioritize the well-being of our employees by leading by example and demonstrating the importance of radical self-care practices. So we have to lead by example. It's almost like being a parent. If you don't want your children to do things, you don't do it, period, or you don't do it around. Even though sometimes this will do it anyway. However, <laughs> you know what I mean. Number two. Foster a culture of radical self-care, meaning fostering a supportive workplace that prioritizes radical self-care, it's important. This can be achieved by promoting healthy work-life balance. You know, you encourage your employees to take breaks. You discourage overworking, which means 5 o'clock, if the office closes at 5, everybody's out of here at 5. 
If the office is not open on the weekend, no, you cannot come in and work on the weekends. If the office is closed on major holidays, no, you cannot come in and work in on holidays. If you are off today, then be off today. You do not call this person on their day off because they are off. It, it's also beneficial to encourage folks to use vacation time and provide resources for managing the stress and supporting their mental health needs. Now, another story time and moment of transparency for Dr. Sherry here. Back in May, I had a week of vacation planned. I had this week of vacation planned since 2022. So it had been planned for about a year. I had planned to be off from May 29th through June 6th. A whole, a whole week to be exact. Oh my God. A week and a day almost to be exact. No, maybe a week. Whatever. I had planned to be off a vacation, no contact, no show. Leave me alone. However, I had to cancel my vacation. I know, I know, I know you're saying, oh, no, she didn't. And she always talking about take vacation, take your time off, girl, hush, just listen. I got you. I'm getting ready to hold myself accountable. I got you. So there is a grant that every year we get invited to apply for. And this year we didn't. No harm, no foul. Well, so I thought. On Friday, May 26th, we got the invitation. So when I saw it, I was like, okay, we usually have about a month to apply. As soon as I come back, that'll be my priority. I'll block everything out. I'll bust out this grant. Boom, we're good. Started reading through the email, clicked on the link to take me to the email so I can look at everything that I needed to do while I'm still working on the 26th. I can start planning out, do my outline, get everything done. And I saw that the... Submission date was June 1st. I was like, ooh, okay. Today's the 26th. That means June 1st. That's next week. Hold up. I said, okay, this still might be possible because we aren't doing anything different. And we're going to, because the program was so successful the year before, we're going to keep the same program. We're not going to do anything different. I just need to go into our database quantify some of our data, we'll be good. But after reading further, realize, oof, I'm not good because not only was there more money to apply for, they had changed the entire application process. It went from a one-year funding to two-year funding instead of the max that you could apply for being 50000 the minimum was now 50000 and the max was 300000 and it was much more to the application process. So I went through it one more time, and I, it, I realized I can't get this done in a weekend. I need to reach out to community partners that we've worked with in the past to see if they can, because of the program that I was thinking of, if they, if we could work with them, I need to get a couple MOUs. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to get the budget because we want to ask for a little bit more so we could do this, so we could do that. And there was no way that I could do this and be on vacation. So I had to do what I did not want to do, and that was forfeit my vacation. So I canceled all of my plans. I did not go into the office. But I worked from home and I wrote the grant and I submitted it on May 29th. 
and was able to do a staycation for the rest of my vacation. It wasn't ideal, but I did weigh the pros and cons when I talked to the person who invited us. He really wanted us to apply. When I talked him through what I was thinking and, you know, that I was supposed to be on vacation this week, he was like, given your success, really think that what you're thinking, I really think that you should do this. Still not guaranteeing. We still haven't found out if we got it or not. But he said, I really think that you should apply. And because of even we just can't afford to lose any funding because the priority for funding opportunities is not DVSA right now. So when it comes to foundation funding, we can't afford to not do it because I have such good people within the organization. I'm not willing to sacrifice those people. So I had to do, I had to write that grant. Now, in a couple weeks, I have a two-week vacation where I will be in Arizona and New Mexico visiting family and friends, and I will not forfeit that vacation. I promise you that. Now, the gag will be if we don't get the grant, I'll be pissed. But we're not speaking that into an existence. We are saying that we will get this grant. So y'all send us all this positive energy. I say all that to say, I don't encourage that behavior for my team. I ensure that when my team puts in vacation, that they honor that vacation. And I know this might contradict what I just said, but I tell them all the time that the work will be here when you get back. But when you have a level of responsibility as an executive director, we're told that we got to hold the organization together. My name goes on a paycheck. That's a great responsibility. And that's a responsibility that I do not take lightly. So although I had to sacrifice a week of my vacation, to me, it was worth a week a vacation because I ensured, I hope I ensured the continued financial sustainability of the organization. And I hope I positioned us in a way that we don't have to lose any funding, but instead bring more funding in. And it will help us in supporting more clients. So that's how I had to look at it. So number three, This one's funny, given my story time. Delegate and empower others. (laughs) Leaders of nonprofit organizations often end up with too much on their plate, leading to burnout and overwhelming stress. However, delegating tasks and responsibility to capable team members can help ease the burden. This not only lightens the workload of leaders, but it also empowers the team to take ownership and foster growth and development within the organization. So this is a really good one. So for example, right, when I go on vacation, we are currently hiring for our safe house and we are currently hiring a domestic violence um, victim advocate. So instead of halting the process while I'm on my vacation for two weeks, I am delegating that to others. There's no need to stop that process because those are positions that need to be filled. So I give those things to people who I trust and to people who I know will get the job done. And then when I come back, we'll schedule the second round interviews for the qualified candidates. The thing about grant writing 
it's I write all of our grants so that it just it it just falls on my plate that way. So number four, set realistic goals and expectations. It's important to avoid setting unrealistic expectations for the organization and its employees. It's crucial to understand that organizations, limitations, and capabilities so you can establish achievable goals. This approach minimizes stress and pressure on individuals, resulting in a more balanced work approach. Number five is encourage open communication. I think it was last episode when we talked about that open door policy. You gotta exercise that open door policy. Don't just let it be this kind of just thing you just say. No, encourage it. To ensure the well-being of your team, establish a secure and encouraging environment where employees can share their concerns and difficulties. Regularly communicate with your team members to monitor their welfare and offer any needed assistance. Encourage open and honest communication to make it easier for individuals to request help. My team knows you can come to me about anything, even if it's something that you do not agree with. Please come to me and have a conversation about it. We can talk respectfully about things if you disagree. And that's the kind of open and honest conversation that you should be establishing with your team members. If you are the type of executive director that is, say what I do, and that's it. If you ain't got to like it, if you don't like it, you ain't got to work here. That's so unhealthy. And I guarantee you those organizations are the organizations where everyone is burnt out. And your turnover is probably crazy. So I encourage you, Open communication, open, respectful communication. Number six, provide professional development opportunities. This boosts employee morale, boosts employee job satisfaction, and just overall well-being for your team. Consider offering professional development opportunities such as training programs, workshops, or mentorship programs. Um, Such incentives can help support the growth and the development of your employees. Lucky for us, There are amazing associations that we are a part of, like NCCASA, which is the North Carolina Coalition on Sexual Assault, and uh, NCCADV, which is the North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence, which offers amazing free trainings for our um, team. And so... We are always engaged in some kind of free training or free certification, and it just offers a wealth of experience for the staff. Number seven is build a network of support. To help employees cope with their challenges, it's important to encourage them to connect and build a support network within the organization. This can be achieved through team building activities, peer mentoring, or the creation of employee resource groups, knowing that they can have a support team and this can make a significant difference for individuals. This can be healthy for colleagues, but as long as the support is healthy and folks are genuinely supporting one another, this can be extremely beneficial for for your team. Now, when it becomes gossipy or that water cooler talk, that's when it could become detrimental for the organization. And that's where supervision might come into play and you might need to get to the bottom of what's really going on. 
Number eight is practice self-reflection. You know, it's important that us as executive directors or just nonprofit leaders in general, that we engage in self-reflection and introspection regularly. This can be achieved by just setting some intentional time aside for self-assessment, you know, identifying some personal limits, adjusting priorities as needed, even getting, you know, ensuring that your board chair, if you are the executive director, getting your board chair to make sure that you are having your evaluation done, that is important. Such reflection can help leaders identify signs of burnout, and take proactive measures to address if they arise and before it gets too bad. I really, really believe that you want to prevent burnout because if burnout has already happened, it's a little bit too late. So you want to prevent it from happening. It's so important to remember that achieving a balance between filling your organization's mission And taking care of yourself is a continuous process that requires ongoing effort and even adjustments. Yes, I am a resistor of burnout. Yes, I am an advocate of all things radical self-care. But every once in a while, I have to remind myself or have to be held accountable that, hey sis, (laughs) you know, fell off the wagon and I have to get back on. By prioritizing radical self-care, nonprofit organizations can ensure the well-being of their employees while still effectively working towards their mission and goals. No one is perfect. I am not perfect. I advocate consistently for radical self-care for myself, for my team, for human service professionals, and for social workers. But every once in a while, I'm on the edge of the precipice myself. And it's happened recently. (laughs) So my friends, remember, radical self-care is health care and kindness is free. So do me a favor today and be kind to someone. I love you so much for listening. And until next time, be kind to yourself and others. Bye. Thank you.